You are listening to the Doc Doc Goose podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of the Doc Doc Goose podcast. My name is Sean Palmer. I'm one of your docs. Our smarter doc is Ben Imes. That's still doubtful, but uh, still a physician. And our goose. He's the smartest goose, I guess. Matt Smart. Imes. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Before we get started, guys, this is, um, this is the start of free agency this last week. And I would like to dispel some rumors, okay? Um, I know after Tom Brady signing, this this hit all Twitter and everyone is wondering. I'd like to announce that I will be rejoining the Doc Doc Goose podcast for one more season, at least. So hey, I, one more I, season! I, I just wanted to make sure that that was out there, dispel any rumors. Uh, we've reached contract negotiations for how much debt I will incur for one more year. And uh, <laughs> we're off. Yeah, we're shooting for the ship this year, buddy. <laughs> I'm still free agent, by the way. <laughs> I, I'm open to offers. <laughs> Nothing's keeping me here. <laughs> Except your love for the rest of us. Except my love. That only goes so far, though. Um, ben, why don't you do a disclaimer before we actually get into what this is about? Uh, yeah, our disclaimer, as usual, goes a little something like this. All the information that you hear on today's podcast may or may not be made up. It is for the purpose of education, and we try to do our research, and we try to provide you with the most up-to-date information that we can. However, we are not establishing a physician-patient relationship with you, a PT-physician-patient relationship with you, a PT-PT relationship with you, a goose relationship with you, or any other sort of relationship with you other than one of educator and educatee. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of our employers for those of us who are still employed. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, uh, feel like I really nailed it on that one. So you, you did. First try. Nice work. Um, so this episode uh, is an odd number episode, which means it's health articles time. Uh, the problem right now, though, is that every health article, every article period, because we're in the U.S. and the date right now is March 21st, the year 2020, you guessed it, everything is about coronavirus. So we're going to jump on that bandwagon and do the same thing. So we can hopefully educate you guys somewhat. If there are any questions, you haven't learned everything you wanted from every news agency that's out there already doing this. Um but some of you look to us for a little bit of extra knowledge and maybe a little humor thrown in and we're here for you. So here we are, our coronavirus episode. I like um, to think of it as the coronavirus extravaganza. Oh, I like it. Yes. Thank you. Um, so we are very lucky to have someone as smart as Dr. Imes here because the goose and I, let's be honest, we don't really have anything to add to this conversation. Um, so, we're just going to start with Dr. Imes. 
Buddy, I don't even know what the first question to ask is, because uh, this can go any any sort of way. What what do you want to start with telling us? Here's here's how I like to start this off, because uh, a lot of you know that I do teach medical students and residents uh, and pre-med students. And when we're kind of looking at something that we don't know what it is, we, I try and have them break it down so that they're not overwhelmed by the amount of information. So. Uh, there's five things that I want to try and hit, and then we're going to hit uh, some uh, commonly asked questions, some myths that I've seen out there. And then if if either of you guys have anything that you want to know, we'll kind of jump on that too. So the big things are, what is this? Who's going to get it? Who's at risk for it? How do we make the diagnosis? How do we treat it? And then what's our prognosis? So those are the big five things. And if, if the people that I teach when I'm teaching them can usually answer those. I feel like they have a reasonable grasp on what they're doing. So uh, what is the coronavirus? This is for those of you who have been living under a rock uh, or who have read so many different things that uh, it's all getting a little bit blurred and confused in your minds. This is a virus, done. Uh, you now So know it is everything. not a bacteria. It is not a bacteria. No, I, I think that's a very good thing to clarify. Um, so you're, you're going to see a bunch of different things in the media. You're going to see something called SARS, so SARS-CoV-2, uh, when it's when this is referred to, and that's the name of the virus. And then you're also going to see COVID, COVID-19, and that's the name of the disease that this virus causes. Uh, kind of like when we're talking about HIV and AIDS. So HIV is the Virus, AIDS is the condition that it causes. Um, in this case, SARS-CoV-2 is the virus and COVID-19 is the disease. Does that, does that make sense so far? We're all kind of on the same page. I'm tracking. Actually, actually, the, the, the SARS-CoV-2, that, that was new to me. So thank you for explaining that. I finally taught you something. I'm so excited. This is We're moving off in the right direction. Uh, who gets it? Uh, everybody. Everybody's at risk for getting it. Um, it's a virus. It's pretty easy to spread, unfortunately. It seems like most people who catch it are infecting somewhere between two and three people um, individually. And so it's, it has a very rapid spread. The concern is who, who's at risk once they catch it. And really what we're looking at is <clears throat> people who have chronic diseases, especially affecting the heart the lungs and the immune system. Um, those are people that we're really kind of extra worried about. And then our folks who are older, generally we're thinking older than 60, 65 ish makes a difference. Um, and, uh, and not that people who are younger can't get it, but they're more likely to recover without any long-term effects. Um, <clears throat> any questions so far on that? Um, I got a question based off of age groups, uh, just cause like, especially today, a little bit yesterday, you started hearing of a larger group of young people that are getting more serious cases starting. So they are seeing some, I don't want to say it's a large group. I think it's like 20%, um, of serious cases. I want to say in the U S are between 21 and 40 that don't quote me if that is a little bit wrong, but just that there are a growing number of serious cases of those young people. Um, is there a reason for that? that we're seeing so far? 
that's a good question. That brings up two good points. So one, we are recording this on March 21st. And unfortunately, by the time we release this, a lot of this information may be even not quite up to date anymore. We're going to do our best to speak in generalizations um, as much as we can. But uh, uh, so then to answer that question, I don't know if we've seen anything on why younger people, some of these younger people are getting more. We do know that people who have underlying conditions who um, smoke and potentially who vape mm. are more likely to have serious uh, reactions to this. That's a good point. And, yeah. Um, but I don't know of these particular cases yet. So basically it could just be the vaping spring breakers who decide to populate the beaches of Florida against all, uh, all, all advice. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of people who are not doing this social distancing um, and are just kind of still not taking this quite as seriously as we'd like. And by the way, we've heard some reporting that they're saying that the, uh, those people populating the beaches are millennials. No, those are not millennials. We're in our thirties having kids. Those are what, what's behind us. Gen Z. Is that what's behind us? Sure. I don't know. Just, yeah. just, just to correct the reporting here, these are not millennials. Stop blaming it on us. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you, uh, even where I'm at here, it, it's scary how few people are um, are taking this seriously. I was driving out um, to pick up some lunch the other day, and there were large gatherings of septagenarians. My goose, that means 70-year-old plus people. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, so of older folks, of silver-haired folks in gatherings, they were just eating at all these restaurants, not taking the social distancing uh, recommendation seriously at all. Um, and so it's not just the young people, it's the old people, it's all the people. Nobody's, nobody's taking this as seriously as they probably need to. How about animals? Have you seen dog packs recently? Uh, I have not seen wild dog packs roaming the streets or in my neck of the woods. Uh, I did see one wolf pack, uh, but that was quickly sorted out by the bear pack herd, bear herd, that came in shortly thereafter. So, good. I think we're good. Yeah. Um, Is it a herd? A, a herd of bears? Yeah, I'm not bears quite sure. Really, I don't think bears hang out together. They're solitary animals, I think. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Maybe a bear family? They hang out oh, together? Family. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry, we just took a rabbit trail. That, that Sorry, it's enough. they're throwing another animal on this. There's a rabbit trail. Rabbit All right. Trail. <clears throat> uh, so uh, one of the things that's been really difficult with this disease is that people can be symptom-free with the disease up to 14 days, really after after getting it and so they can still spread it for those 14 days and they don't even know they have it whereas like with the flu we usually see that people are going to notice that they have symptoms within one to three days after catching it and so they're usually better at protecting other people here we have up to 14 days and you're spreading and spreading and spreading and you don't know that you have it the general thought is that most people show symptoms by within five days um, but really up to two weeks is kind of what we're seeing. And it's, it's a little, little disconcerting there. Um, the other thing that we want to address is how do we treat this? Oh, how do we diagnose it first? I guess is probably the next thing. Um, in the U S there's not a lot of great options still. Um, we've been told that we're going to have more testing available 
And we keep being told that, and it's just very slow in coming out. Um, you can get what we call a false negative with some of the testing. And so this really happens with the nose swabs and sometimes with the mouth swabs where you will get swabbed and it will come back as a negative test, even though you are actually positive. And I, I don't say this to mean uh, to kind of put fear mongering out there. Um, it's only about 13% of the time, but still that's almost one in 10 can have a false negative. And so that's a little, a little worrisome. And so usually we require two tests to be negative before we will say you are negative once you have symptoms. So why is it that there's not enough testing out there? Is it because you need a certain, um, uh, I don't know, item to be able to test it? Uh, I, that's an excellent question. It's one that's really, really frustrating. And the answer, the answer is because of politics and red tape. Um, Early on in the course of this disease, back in early January, some researchers in Seattle were working on developing a test for this, and they had significant kickback from uh, the FDA, who processes new testing, and said, hey, you guys have a bunch of red tape that you have to jump through. Um, so now the government has kind of started saying, okay, hey, we're going to let that red tape move through, and so we can develop these tests, but now we have to commercially make them and in quantities that are big enough that everybody can get tested. And that's that takes a lot of concentrated effort and a lot of money to get those rolled out. Hmm. Have you seen it all? I know, again, we're doing this day by day, the news changes. Um, there are some companies doing home kits. Have you seen much about those? And if there's anything behind that, I mean, reputable companies, not the people that are like, hey, you do this at home and you might be able to tell if you have, if you have it. Like exactly. reputable companies that they're starting to put out somebody's try to get something out faster. Do you know anything about how reputable they are? Uh, as with all of these tests, a lot of them are operator dependent. And so um, that's one thing that you worry about is getting an adequate sample when you do these home testings. Um, not that medical professionals are perfect when they do the testing, but certainly we've at least been trained on how to do these. Um, so the home testing, I don't think is wrong or unreasonable if it's from a reputable company, but you worry that uh, there's going to be some operator error in there as well. Uh, I think to answer your question, I don't think that really answered your question. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the news comes out so fast. It's hard to, it's hard to know. Uh, I'm just curious if you've, if there's been any information you've gotten. So, so far, we don't have any recommendations from any of the professional organizations that I work with um, as far as how to handle home testing. Um, uh, my official recommendation is certainly get professional testing done, but home testing, if you can afford it and want to do it, I, I don't know that's going to hurt you too much. We just don't know what it's going to tell you. That's right. going to be accurate pretty much. Okay. So, um, when we're talking again about diagnosis, we want to know kind of how are people going to present and what, what, what are your signs that you're going to be looking for? So if, if you're, uh, a person who's worried that you've got coronavirus, what is the sort of thing that you're going to be looking for? It seems to affect men and women about the same. Um, the most common symptoms are fever and then cough and shortness of breath. Then a lot of other things are kind of hitting along with it. So we see some GI symptoms, which are like uh, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea. We're seeing some sore throat, 
Uh, we're seeing muscle aches and pains. Sometimes there's some confusion associated with it too. Um, but really fever, cough, shortness of breath are really your big three. The trouble is just because you don't have one of them doesn't mean you can't say you don't have it. So if you only have cough and shortness of breath, but no fever, I can't say that hundred percent. You don't have it. Um, somewhere around 80 to 90% of, well, there's one study that showed up to 98%, um, of people are going to have fevers. And so that's really one of the big things that we're looking for, but just because you don't have it doesn't mean there's no, that, uh, you don't have the disease. And then treatment is kind of our next big thing right now. We don't have great treatment options available again. It's, it's early. We're trying things. Um, China has tried a bunch of things. Italy's trying a bunch of things. South Korea, a lot of the European countries. We're seeing some results in patients who are uh, in the ICU who are responding well to a combination of a medication called azithromycin, which is actually an antibiotic, and hydrochloroquine, which is an anti-malarial drug. Um, and that those two together seem to help some patients. We are trying a lot of different antiviral medications and they're just not working well. They're just not. Um, before you get to the hospital, big things, lots of water, staying well hydrated um, and stay away from everybody else is really like the two big things. Plenty of rest. Uh, Tylenol seems to help. There's been some controversy lately of whether or not you should do uh, ibuprofen. Um, and that came courtesy of France, I believe. The um, recommendation has some potentially solid science behind it, but we're not sure if it actually plays out in real life. So, um, the, and you mean the recommendation of not using it, right? Oh yeah, sorry, exactly. And so the recommendation in some places is to not use ibuprofen, Advil, Aleve, um, your non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Potentially it can push a lot of the inflammation away from the periphery and into the lungs and can make the disease worse. The trouble is that's again, a more of a theoretical risk and we're not necessarily seeing that play out real well. Um, and so that's why that recommendation is kind of going back and forth. What about masks? Do masks do anything? So I think that's an excellent question. Yes, masks do things. The end. <laughs> <laughs> cover your mouth. Right. And, so, does it do anything for this? <laughs> masks, masks do things at times. These um, sides make me look beautiful. Yes, they help hide the ugly. Yeah. Um, so yes and no, right? Uh, if you are symptomatic and you're coughing, I recommend you wear a mask to help prevent you spreading it to other people. For you to not catch it just in the general public, for most people, probably not a big deal to wear a mask. If you are one of those high risk people, your lung people, your um, heart people, your immunocompromised people, those are people that I would maybe encourage to wear a mask as a second uh, barrier. Um, but overall, the biggest thing you can do is wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, and then don't touch your face. 
And and what's the what's the reasoning behind don't touch your face? Excellent question. Also, um, one, it's it's just weird to see people touching their faces all the time. Uh, well, if you finally, have a tell that to my four year old. We finally have an excuse to tell people to stop touching their faces. Uh, really, the face is where you have a bunch of openings. Um, we thought about saying don't touch your face and don't scratch your butt. But mm-hmm. that one felt like it went without saying. So um, <laughs> you would think. Depends on what part of Alabama you're from. Oh. Is that, does that mean? I don't know. Um, anyway, you've got, you've got lots of If you're of in openings. Alabama, let us know what you think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've got lots of openings in your face. And so it's much easier for the virus to pass through those openings. Um, the same thing would also be said. Don't scratch uh, open or touch open wounds frequently. Like if you've got another opening in your body, just stop touching it. The skin does a really good job of blocking things from coming into the body. Um, and then kind of the last thing that I want to hit on real quick here is kind of what's the prognosis. And this is kind of the, the tough thing for most people who are younger than 40, you're going to get over this. It's going to be a little rough. It's going to feel like a really bad cold, really bad flu, but you're most likely going to get over it. The trouble comes when we get a little bit older and in, I think our 80 year old plus patients, they are, have, they have about a 15% mortality rate. What is that? One in six and a half who catch it are going to die. Not a great rate. Uh, I don't love that. Uh, once you hit your seventies, about an eight, eight percent. So one in 10 sixties to 69, we're almost 4% mortality rate. And then 50 to 59, we're about 1.3%. So, um, how about below it, that, below that we're Four trying to, we're hit, yeah, we're hitting around 0.2 to 0.4%. So, um, that's a good breakdown to, for, for comparison, when we look at the flu, cause this is something that has been, uh, kind of bantered around by everybody from politicians to movie stars and other celebrities. Is this, the flu kills more people, right? And I, and I, I'll tell you, I said this at the very beginning when, when we didn't know how serious this was, when I didn't know how serious this was, flu kills more people, you know, let's just watch the COVID virus and see kind of how things play out. We're seeing that, yeah, the flu over the course of a year has killed a lot more people. However, flu death rates are very low. So, for all the way up until you hit about 65, it's less than 0.6%, 0.06%. And then once we hit 65 plus, it's 0.83%. So it's still way lower than what the COVID virus is for our even our 50-year-olds. So this virus is gonna has the potential to kill a lot more. And because of its ability to be so sneaky in being transmitted, we're worried that a lot more people are going to get hit. Would you be right in saying that because that, that was a big, uh, big thing. You're right. That everyone's talking about is, is well, they always compare it to the flu, right? Um, you've made comments that I've made comments that, um, to that extent, we kind of won't know the answer to that until it's done. And we look back on the numbers. Is that accurate? But right now we're kind of guessing day by day for what's happening. And yes, it's very severe in, in certain populations. We, we do know that. 
but we kind of aren't going to know a comparison until we look back at it later. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think, I think when we look back on it in the future and, you know, we're five years from now and we're, we're saying, wow, this was much more deadly or we're saying, oh, you know what? We, we blew it way out of proportion. Uh, I, I imagine we're going to look at it and say it's much more deadly. But right now in the midst of it, we can say that it has the potential to be much, much more deadly than the flu. That's a fair way to say that. Yeah. Here, here's, here's the other big thing right now is with uh, the COVID-19 people who get sick are getting sicker um, than they would with the flu. And so they're needing more hospital care uh, and that's going to put a big strain on our system. And we're seeing that, especially in our older population. So our big thing right now is just trying to prevent people from getting sick. So I think that's probably good for my rundown. Let's kind of hit some of the questions you guys have or any uh, COVID myths that we've heard or any other thoughts? I think uh, for me, you know, everyone, you see articles everywhere comparing this to other countries and saying that, you know, we are the next Italy or we are whatever, you know, what can we learn from the other countries so far? Um, and understandably, I'm going to put this, this caveat out there. Obviously each of us have our own opinions on that. And so this is our opinion coming out here. How do you interpret, you know, things coming out of, uh, of Italy or South Korea, China, you know, China for what the numbers are accurate that we know of, which there probably aren't. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how do you interpret some of that stuff? What do you look at when you're looking at some of the, these stories that are coming out of other countries? Yeah, we're learning a lot from how different countries have handled things. So China, this got out of control really fast in China. Um, and one of the good things about having the uh, absolute control that their government does is they were able to quarantine 60 million people really quickly uh, once they decided to take this seriously. And it really made a significant impact in the number of cases that were coming. Um, Italy, we saw, was not able to take action quickly enough. And they have a very old population. On average, their population is much older than any of the other countries high and smoking so, percentage right right and so their folks are getting real sick and it's really straining their um their health system and their folks are dying and so we're, we're seeing that it would be good if we can adopt more drastic measures quickly to help prevent us going to italy south korea and uh singapore both did a pretty good job of uh, getting on top of this really quickly um by forcing some uh, isolation, and that seems to have really helped with them. The other thing that South Korea has done really well is the number of testing that they have been able to uh, perform and get out there. They're testing about 10,000 people a day, which is significant, and that they can identify who has the disease and force them into isolation, whereas we're not even coming close to hitting those numbers right now. Mm. Do you know how many people we're testing a day? The trouble is that that number is changing quickly. And as we go forward, you're going to see if you kind of track the numbers of how many people are positive in the US, the numbers seem like they're exponentially growing and they kind of are, but really it's because we're able to test more people every day. Right. And so over the next week or two, you're going to start seeing 
oh my goodness, look at all these tests coming back positive. It's because we're finally getting the tests out there. Yeah. And so, um, uh, we're, we're, I don't know what the exact numbers are right now. I know that, um, at least in one of the hospitals around here in Phoenix, as of earlier this week, we had less than 50 tests at that hospital, uh, for the week. And I know they tried to order more and there was just some difficulty getting any more from anywhere. Yeah. And so, uh, if you can imagine all the folks that are trying to get tested and want to get tested and they go to the hospital and the hospital says, we can't test you. We don't have enough tests. Um, and then the testing was taking up to four days to come back. And so we're, we're really behind the curve on how we're able to identify who has this. So have you heard anything, whether or not there's a relationship between uh, coronavirus and the weather, such as warm weather, cold weather? Or... Yeah. Uh, so there's some hope that like the flu, as the weather gets warmer, that uh, coronavirus will uh, be less prevalent. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we know yet. I don't think we know. I think that's a great question. It's a beautiful day here today in Phoenix, so um, I don't think it's out there. I think it's I think it's done. We're good. It's gone. We're, we're over with. Great. <laughs> Great. Everybody, go out and play with your friends. Please don't. Please don't actually do that. <laughs> please don't uh, do that. <laughs> please, please don't. Uh, okay, so let's hit some FAQs and some myths that I've seen on the internet and that I've also had texted to me. Thank you for all of you who have been texting me all your questions. Some of them have been quite hilarious. Um, First of all, somebody texted me and said, hey, my my Lysol that I bought a year ago says on it that it kills the coronavirus. So maybe this is not a new virus. Thanks for that question. Uh, yeah, exactly. Coronavirus is a family of viruses. Um, there's a whole bunch of different types of viruses and coronavirus is a type of virus. Uh, this particular virus is a new type of coronavirus. And so the hope is that Lysol will kill your particular coronavirus that we have, but it has been killing coronaviruses for a long time. Also, we are not sponsored by Lysol, but uh, Lysol, you know the drill. If you want to sponsor us, we'll take it. Um, somebody else told me the government is behind this. Uh, first of all, that's not a question. That's a statement. <laughs> Was there a question mark at the end of it or no? No. I just Wait, said, do you have any questions? The government, government is behind this? Right. <laughs> Which government are they talking about? Also, that was not specified. Either way, um, I'll tell you, I don't think our government is competent enough to be behind this, uh, first of all. Second of all, could it be that a foreign government has contributed to this through um, irresponsible research practices. Maybe uh, I don't think I don't think the U.S. government is actively trying to rid the world of people. So uh, I hope that answers your non-question. I don't think the government is behind this. Somebody else asked me if I just eat right and drink right, will I be fine? Uh, uh, great question. Great question. I don't know. Um, odds are, if you're young and otherwise healthy, you're going to be fine. Uh, if you're older and very sickly, you're still, odds are likely that you're going to be fine. 
but you also have higher odds than everybody else that this is not going to be good for you. So what can you do? Stay away from people, right? We talk about this um, social distancing concept. That's where the recommendation is just to stay away from everybody. I am fully in favor of that. Uh, it's been hard to do. We've had to cancel a number of fun events that were planned for our family this, this week, but it's better to help prevent the spread of this rather than go out and enjoy yourself and spread it to everybody, even if you are young and healthy. Um, what else? Vaccines, they are working on vaccines. You can get paid a lot of money if you wanna, <laughs> if you wanna subject yourself to be infected with the virus and they can test you. I don't know, I, for those of you who wanna do that, I appreciate that, I, we need a vaccine. Um, a vaccine is not going to solve this quickly or immediately, I guess. Um, vaccines generally take four weeks before they're mostly effective. So we're, we're going to take some, take some time before we can even roll this out and then get it effective. Uh, some of you out there are probably wondering about pregnancy. I am. I know you have been showing a little bit of a bulge lately, and I thought maybe you were. So congratulations <laughs> on that. <laughs> it's my winter weight. Oh. I never thought Sean's bulge would come into this conversation. And I'm hoping it goes away fast. <laughs> Both the bulge and this conversation. <laughs> I, that's my bad. Everybody. <laughs> Just think about dead puppies and it will go away. Oh, um, oh that's too soon. Uh, yeah, so pregnancy, we don't really know a whole lot about the virus in pregnancy. Uh, obviously, we don't want to study uh, actively this. We don't want to give pregnant women the virus and then study them. So we kind of have to do observational studies. Uh, so far, we're seeing um, uh, that Pregnant women seem to have a very similar risk to everybody else of catching the disease and how they're going to handle the disease. I think I've heard of one case of vertical transmission, but don't quote me on this one yet, where the mom passed it directly to the baby. Um, I've heard of a couple of cases. Yeah. Like during delivery sort of thing. So, um, however, breastfeeding safe. If you think you have the virus, breastfeed your baby. That's fantastic. It helps provide some immunity. Um, but uh, pregnancy, again, you're already at a lower immune state, so you're more likely to get infected. Um, we just don't know how it's going to affect you yet. Um, Anything else, gentlemen? I think the question that's probably on most people's minds, especially here in Arizona, is what will toilet paper do for the disease? Mm. I, you know, I think that's an excellent question. I got to tell you, uh, some really good things. First of all, in a pinch, it works as a great uh, nutritional supplement. Really? High in fiber, high in fiber, high in fiber, low in taste. But if you sprinkle a little salt or some syrup on it, it tastes pretty good. It's not going to clog things up. If you drink lots of water, it shouldn't, and it'll wash you out as you go. 
So, so this is the part of the program where we want to bring your attention back to the part of the disclaimer that said some of this might be made up. Yeah, I don't actually have any science behind that. Um, you may not be able to not wipe if you eat toilet paper. Like it wipes as you pass it. That'd be handy. Wow. So that should be a dessert for every meal, pretty much. I think so. Wow. Yeah. That could save us a lot down the road. Yeah, I asked that because um, people... Here in Arizona, we are the number one state for panic hoarding, especially toilet paper. Nice work on that one, you jerks. Congrats, everybody. I was so thrilled when I saw Costco put out a disclaimer. It said they will not take returns of that and other products that were that were mostly hoarded. So you all are stuck with it. You deserve it. You can use it the rest of your life. Sorry, my rant is over. <laughs> we, we now, effectively though, we know that TP really is not necessary for this. Right. Um, it will not help you it, it, unless you're short enough for the apocalypse. It will help, it'll help, help you not things. get crusty, butt. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bidet. Uh, yes, that too. Uh, any other concerns or questions on this? I think, like you said, it changes by the day, so we really don't know. So here's, here's what I'm going to tell you to expect right now. Right now in Arizona, that's where we're recording from. Uh, there's 104 cases. And what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks is you're going to see those numbers climb significantly. Partly because people still aren't sticking around in their own homes and practicing this social distancing, but partly because we have more testing. So um, don't let it overwhelm you too much. If you start seeing that number explode, it's going to, um, what we're really doing is identifying the people who have it. Lots of people have it right now, and we're just better able to identify them. Um, the next thing is we need to be socially conscious about this and keep that social distancing. So try and avoid large gatherings, try and avoid gatherings in general. And then cleaning after yourself, cleaning up before yourself, washing your hands and not touching people. Um, and I think it's going to get a little rough before it gets better. We're going to see a lot of uh, small businesses, small business owners who are hurt by this. Um, but hopefully if we can get this contained within the next couple of weeks, it will be better than if we drag this out for months and months. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for being here to be our source of knowledge. Indeed. Everyone, if you have any questions, ask your doctor. If you have anything fun to add, go ahead and email us. Contact at ddgpodcast.com. If you found this helpful, what? I have one last thing. This is if you think that you are sick, the best thing you can do is stay home. Uh, some some of you out there think that the best thing you can do is go to the ER. Please don't just rush the ER if you think you're sick. If you think you are so sick that you are dying, it, please, please head to the ER. But call your doctor's office um, and and talk to them or call the local county health department and talk to them. They can screen and help give you direction but 
going straight to a place where there's already vulnerable people at is not the right way to do it. So um, if, if you're feeling at all remotely sick, please, please stay home and use a phone call, use your webcam and reach out to your health professional. Matt, do you have a doctor? Kind of. Oh, cool. It's kind of you. Oh. So if you were if you were feeling sick, what 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 would you do? I'd probably shoot you a text and say, "Hey, this is what's going on. What do you recommend?" Man, it's like you've been listening to the podcast already. That's perfect. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what happens when I grow up with my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, ooh, hey, here's another one that I just just saw. I, this is man, I gotta stay off the internet. But if you feel sick, please don't drink bleach. It won't cure your disease. What? Yeah. Also, can, can you spray Lysol in your mouth? You can, but it's not gonna help. <laughs> second of all i just don't recommend it it tastes nasty um so you've done it i, I mean i was in college once too <laughs> i feel like everybody's done it in college um, i've never done it did you really go to college <laughs> that's that's a good question good question uh also um garlic fantastic for adding to food will not help if you rub it all over your body it won't protect you from the coronavirus. Um, but protects you from vampires. 100% from vampires. Yes. So always keep some in stock on hand. On hand. To prevent against vampires. Uh, and lastly, I keep saying lastly because I just keep thinking of more things that I want to tell. But now, even though I bet grandma is really lonely and grandpa's really lonely and your old relatives, they're all really lonely, don't go visit them. They are the ones who are going to die from this. Please, please, please just reach out, give them a call, and not visit them. That's, a, that's so morbid. You're, you're just saying grandma and grandpa are going to die from this. They, they are. If you give them the coronavirus, grandma and grandpa have a higher chance of dying from this. Yeah, higher chance. I think you should clarify that. Instead of just saying grandma and grandpa are going to die from this. You're basically saying people get ready, grandma and grandpa. Have got, no chance. That's we're gonna start seeing this if if this can't get controlled, if this starts hitting the um, retirement homes and the nursing homes, it's gonna wipe out entire communities. Yeah, and it's not gonna be pretty. What's a, what's your take on uh, the progression of this and how long we can kind of see this quarantine going on for? Uh, right now I'm expecting the quarantine to go on at least until the middle of April. Um, hopefully that'll give us another four or so weeks to figure this out. Um, if we can do a good job of isolating the disease, isolating people with the disease and not spreading it, then we may be able to start to relax things from there. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not sure if Americans are willing to do that. And so I'm concerned that we're going to see this continuing on for another three to six months. How's that for 
an absolute lack of hope. Yeah, sounds sounds fun. Um, so finally, don't don't panic. Just be responsible. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay away from people and stay away from old people. Stay away from old people. Wash your hands. Wash your hands, especially if you run out of toilet paper. Wash those hands. <laughs> Wash them real good. Well, thank you all for joining us for the special edition of the Doc Doc Goose podcast. Uh, as always, we would love to have your ratings. So if you go to iTunes, if you felt this was a an informative and or fun episode, probably not fun because it was coronavirus related, but it was probably informative. Go ahead and give us a rating. Five stars is lovely. Um, and also, we're... <laughs> That's my baby Carter talking. He just wanted to be on the podcast as well. Uh, we, It is not free to produce a podcast. Uh, we have to make money somehow. And that's where our affiliates and sponsors come in. So if you could go support our wonderful affiliates and sponsors, we bring in some great ones that will help us pay the bills. Uh, you can go over to ddgpodcast.com slash affiliates, or you can just go visit pros. That's P-R-O-Z-E, which are the best <laughs> CBD products. Carter agrees with that. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I agree with that too. I've been doing uh, chewing one of their gums every single day. It has been phenomenal. Seriously? I, phenomenal. I, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sold yet. Like, I'm not ready to say everybody should do this, but I'm getting close. I notice on days when I don't chew, I miss it. Why is that? What, like, what do and, you get out of it? I feel, I don't know. I feel more energetic. I feel like I'm able to concentrate a little better with it. Um, it, it just helps make my day just a little bit better. Um, They're called yippies, I believe, the, the gum. The yippies, yeah, phenomenal. Um. And when you go buy that gum, use code DDG15 for 15% off. Uh, it's Groove Life, makes the best silicone wedding rings and uh, watch bands on the market. They did change recently. That is DDGPOD, short for podcast. So DDGPOD for 20% off. And then also Rad at radroller.com. You can get 15% off your order with DDG15. Um, we lost our goose due to a power outage. Um, so we're going to sign off for him. Exactly. For those of you who didn't know, our goose is electronic. <laughs> uh, and it must be plugged in at all times. <laughs> he got a little bit too far away from the wall and out he went. So uh, that's unfortunate. Got a little too excited. But we're here to sign off. So thanks for joining us on the Doc Doc Goose podcast. My name is Sean Palmer. I'm one of your docs. I'm Dr. Benjamin Imes. I'm your other doc. And I'm reminding you, wash your hands. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Stay safe, everyone. listening to the Doc Doc Goose podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a review to help others discover us. Visit our website at www.ddgpodcast.com to read the show notes, blogs, view videos, and interact with the cast. 
You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the DDG Podcast. If you have an Apple device, you can easily access the podcast by saying, Hey Siri, play the Doc Doc Goose podcast.